Hello again. Welcome to the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast for the week of May 4, 2015. This is episode 255, and I am Chris Bevelo, Executive Vice President at Revive Health. With me today on the podcast are uh, Adam Meyer, also of Revive Health, and Dana Weymouth, also of Revive Health. Dana, Adam, how are you guys? Doing good. Just good? You sound like my kids. I guess that's a. I said you sound like my kids whenever I ask how's how's it going. Good. How was school? Good. How was lunch? Fine. Anything exciting <laughs> going on? No. <laughs> Did you learn anything today? No. Yes. All right. If it's going good, I want one example from both of you of of what is going good. Just a small example, big example. What makes this day or this week good? Uh, well, you know, we every time we say we vow not to talk about the weather, but we've got some. F- fairly decent Minnesota weather. So I'm always in good spirits when, um, you know, especially in the spring after the winter, things are warming up. You can go outside without a jacket on. It's sunny. It seems like we had so many lengthy periods of time, just like months on end with no sun. Um, so all, all those things added up makes it, uh, makes, makes for a happy morning and for things going well or good. Right. <laughs> uh, my cheesy answer is I'm in a great, uh, time period with my son. He's just over a year and a half and it is just hilarious, you know, totally copying everything that I do. Ooh, that's not a good thing. That could be a bad thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. Especially when we around the bathroom area is <laughs> too much. Um, but yeah, that, it's a really fun time right now. Well, those are, those are really good. Mine is a little more insubstantial. I think it's good because the Wild are advancing to the next round of the NHL playoffs, which is... Sir, go Wild. Which is, yeah, it's just very exciting. I'm, I'm, I was really rooting for the Predators because that would have been a fun matchup given, uh, you know, you all in Nashville down there. Um, I'm surprised you even know, you know, what hockey is in Nashville, but you guys support the team really well. I mean, I'm no, trust me, I'm no hockey, you know, aficionado. I just started enjoying the game like maybe 10 years ago. So it's not like I followed it like football or baseball, but um, it is fun. It's also the only thing in Minnesota we have going for us sports-wise, the only thing. This is the land of the Timberwolves, worst basketball team in the NBA, the Twins for 90 lost seasons in a row, and the Vikings with their fun running back situation, Adrian Peterson. Yeah. So we got the wild and that's about it. Yep. (laughs) That's it. But that's okay. It's enough for now. Hopefully, it'll keep going. So we're going to make this a quick one. Um, We're going to skip the updates because uh, there's a lot of speaking stuff coming up. uh, But but I'm going to move right into some of the topics so we can have some good conversation. Uh, Two, primarily, one is an article that came out, or at least I saw it, uh, I think it was yesterday or a couple days ago, uh, from Kaiser. And it's titled, Few Consumers Are Using Quality Price Information to Make Health Decisions. Now, we've talked about this before on the podcast. And usually what we do is there's some survey that talks about how, you know, consumers are increasingly using quality data or they're really using price. And once you dig into it, you can start kind of peeling apart that, you know, really it's not the case. And you've got to, you've got to factor in kind of the inflation that you typically get with, with surveys. When you ask people about something that they should be doing, you're going to get an inflated response of people that probably aren't doing it, but, but say they're doing it because 
they don't look stupid or it's the right thing to do or whatever, right? So, so when I saw this headline, I'm like, okay, you know, that's that's a different headline than we normally see, right? I mean, it's 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 really touting the fact that there's not a lot of this going on, uh, and then the statistics were a little bit mind blowing. I mean, uh, when you when you dig a little further down into this, for example, uh, this is a this is a poll from Kaiser Family Foundation. Uh, you know, there's some statistics in here that make sense to me. Like two or three people say it's still difficult to know how much specific doctors or hospitals charge. That makes a lot of sense. But then the next paragraph says about 6% of people ever, ever use quality information in making a decision regarding an insurer, hospital, or doctor. So that's a weird st- – when I read that again, I'm not sure it's even grammatically correct. About, <laughs> about 6% of people ever used quality information in making a decision regarding an insurer, hospital, doctor. I think it should say have ever used. Right. Um, which is which is really low. I mean, I would almost be skeptical the other way this time, saying, whoa, really? Only 6% have ever used it? Um, normally what you would see is something like, 42% of people say they have used quality information in making a decision, which then people kind of... Um, extrapolate to, well, then they use it all the time and in every situation. But here you're talking about only 6% of people have ever used it, which means 94% have never used it. And the same statistic is true right. for um, pricing. It says 9% have used information about pricing. Um, and most commonly in relation to health plans, only 3% said they have used price information about physicians. Uh, that's really low. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess we have to caveat it with, you know, or not even necessarily caveat it, but look at it from the viewpoint of how, how easy is it to access or even understand that information? Is that information even available in a way that people know where it is, how to use it? I mean, numbers could be very low simply because the you know it's nearly impossible to to do that. And there's six percent six percent of the of uh, of the of the you know the public has has figured out a way to to do it. Um, and they're like the super smart geniuses who actually know how to find and parse this information that the rest of us can't seem to find. Or Dana. Or they're Dana. Well, Dana's in the 6%. <laughs> he is. You are. I don't know if I'm a genius, but it might be my, <laughs> my wife's credit, actually. But um, that article was fascinating because we're right in the middle of all that. Um, you know, we, we just had um, a child almost two years ago. And it was like really my first exposure to incredibly diverse and expensive hospital bills. You know, it's like one from the person that opened the door and then the other person that, you know, walked you into a particular office and then whoever took care of the baby on the night of Tuesday at 8 p.m., you know, so you're like, <laughs> where are all these costs coming from? Um, so that was, we, we realized we needed to be better educated and, try to anticipate some things, um, you know, and we found it's actually, Adam, to your point, it is challenging until you kind of get in the right groove of where you can find those types of things. And a lot of the times it's directly from the source. I think admins for um, specialists and physicians have definitely become um, more savvy and educated to get you the right place. Um, And so we found when making decisions, uh, our son has reflux and we've been deciding kind of back and forth if we need to scope him 
Um, he just has trouble eating and, you know, just kind of one of those things. Well, we got the price tag um, and we have decided not to do that yet and kind of done some alternative solutions. But two years ago, honestly, I would have said, hey, I'll do anything for anyone that's a family member. Let's go and do it. And then the consequence would have been the, the bill. So I think that was a good example. I said, this is really important. People should know this. Yeah, it is important. It's just I think it's really hard to find. I think that's a good example of an area where you can find pricing. So so imaging, radiology, all of that. Um because it's it's somewhat of a commodity. I mean, a scope is a scope is a scope. A scope at Mayo Clinic is going to cost twice what a scope at a at a you know like a, a for profit radiology you know kind of strip mall kind of place. Um, well, that was a disparaging statement. I didn't mean to make it disparaging, but you know what I'm talking about. There are there are organizations that that's all they do, and they're very efficient at it, and it's likely going to cost you way less. Um, and it's hard for the Mayo Clinic to argue that you should pay that much more for a scope or an x-ray or whatever um, when it breaks down those commodities. Where it's more difficult, obviously, is like in situations you've been in, Adam, or um, where you've got, you know, to your point, you know, Dana, if you had tried to do this in delivering your baby, I wonder what you would have encountered. Right. Well, what? Because you know, the first thing they would have said is, "Well, here are the. You can find out. You certainly can find out the inpatient cost of delivering a baby, um, but all the other costs that surround it can be can be different." Um, I do think, actually, I'm, now I'm talking on both sides of my mouth. That's an area where hospitals and health systems have actually advanced a little further in pricing because because it's a situation where people have time to shop. You got essentially nine months. That's not really true, but you've got months to figure out where you're going to deliver. So they know we better let them see what the price is if that's of concern to them. But if it's a if it's an ongoing chronic issue, if it's an emergent issue, if it's complex, uh, I think the data is out there. But to your point, Adam, it, it can be tough to find. This survey kind of points that out. Yeah, and it really depends on what you're going. I mean, like in the case with with our son, um, and I won't go through the whole story, but I mean, there was so many different things that we had to. You know, there's just there's is too much. I mean, there's no there's no way I think any human could go through and understand all of the costs that were associated with that. Um, yeah, I know when we started that experience, we actually sat down with somebody at the at the hospital who who detailed the at a very high level, you know, like overall, this is, you know, this, this procedure and this and this and this is going to be, you know, $500,000 or you know, whatever the amount was, like it was more than that. Um, but once you get into the weeds and really try to break down all of the little expenses and you get into all the medications and you get into things that are like, you know, infusions that are based on the weight of the individual getting it and how that changes over time, especially for a kid who's growing so fast. Um, it just becomes, it gets to the point where it's like, you can't even, it's a full-time job to try to understand it and make decisions based on it. And you just have to go with the flow and trust that the experts you're working with are, are making the right recommendations and be thankful that you've got insurance that's covering it. I feel for those who don't, um, it just gets ridiculously complex. Well, the other thing I'll add that's interesting in this story is it, it's, it's also, you know, using this information is not just about finding it. Um, further down in the article, they have a pie chart, 
And the survey said, you know, in general, how easy or difficult would you say it is to find out how much medical treatments and procedures provided by different doctors or hospitals would cost you? And so you have 29% saying it's very difficult, 35% saying somewhat difficult, 23% saying somewhat easy, and 10% saying very easy. So you've got a third of the people saying it's easy in some fashion. Uh, You have another third that's saying it's somewhat difficult, right? So... That does not add up to the only, what did we say, 3% of people who have used price information about physicians. Because if if it was tied completely to how easy or hard is it to find, it it would be, you know, only 3% find it easy. Instead, at least a third of the people say that's easy, yet they still choose, or for whatever reason, don't find that information or or care about it or look for it or whatever the, the reasons are. This doesn't get into... Well, if it's easy to find, why the heck wouldn't you use it? Yeah, well, and I think it's hard to understand sometimes too. So it's it's one thing to get the the information, but to actually understand it, I think that's where, um, you know, I've experienced too. It's like, oh yeah, you know, this is the code for that particular procedure, and just call the insurance company, give them that code, and they're going to give you the contracted rate. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I need a dictionary. <laughs> right. <laughs> what's going on. So that was another thing. And, and I feel much more educated and luckily I married up. And so my wife is <laughs> um, and she kind of walks me through it. And then of course, you know, being at revive health, um, you know, you sit down and talk to Brandon or someone like that, they get it. And so you can kind of pick their brain. But if I'm out there on my own trying to understand the information that's given back to me, I don't have a chance, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's it's tough. And and I also again, it kind of comes back to I've always argued if there's one place where people make a purchasing decision where price won't matter, it probably healthcare. And again, I think the example you gave Dana is a great one of where it, where it does, right? Where it's a commodity kind of thing, you've got a choice, you, you know, there's no reason to spend more money on a scope than you'd want to, and it also helps you make a decision whether you need to do it now or later. Um, but for so much of healthcare, you know, if it's a heart attack, if it's chronic, if it's all of that, most people have insurance, right? So a scope is one thing, even if you have high deductible would probably fall within the deductible. But if you're having heart surgery, I don't care how big your, your deductible is, you're going to blow through it. And then price becomes irrelevant. I don't care where I go price wise, cause I'm going to spend my three grand or five grand or eight grand deductible, no matter where I go. So now price is out of the, I don't even think about it. Why would I? I'm just going to pick the best. So, um, so obviously, you know, it's changing, but I think the survey shows that it's not as simple as, it's even not as simple as making the information accessible, but like we've talked about, it's not always accessible. It's not always easy to understand. So, so interesting stuff there. Okay. Should, should we move on to the next one? Do we have time for this or do we want to go to something fun? Adam, do you, do you have time in like four minutes to wrap up the next article? Yeah, I can blow through it in four minutes. It's an interesting article. It's from the um, Atlantic. I was alerted to it from a friend on Facebook, actually, who is a nurse, who is kind of vocal about um, uh, her frustrations in the industry. Uh, but the, so it's from the Atlantic. The title is The Problem with Satisfied Patients. Um, the intro little subtitle, a misguided attempt to improve healthcare has led some hospitals to focus on making people happy rather than making them well. Um, there's a quote I want to pull from there, but first I'm going to quickly read through just kind of the intro paragraph. It's short, but it kind of sums it up nicely. Um, when healthcare is at its best, hospitals are four star hotels and nurses, personnel, butlers are at the ready. 
At least that's how many hospitals seem to interpret the government mandate. When the Department of Health and Human Services administrators decided to base 30% of hospitals' Medicare reimbursement on patient satisfaction survey scores, they likely figured that transparency and accountability would improve health care. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, officials wrote, rather reasonably, delivery of high-quality, patient-centered care requires us to carefully consider the patient's experience in the hospital inpatient setting. They probably had no idea their methods could end up indirectly harming patients. Um, so basically if you go through it, really, it cites many examples of hospitals and, um, providers just, uh, or caregivers, I should say, um, frustrated with this experience of, 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 um, you know, patient satisfaction and their requirements, um, and just give some interesting examples, um, of where, you know, this, this attempt to satisfy patients is leading to more harm than good. Uh, one uh, par- short paragraph that I'd highlighted in, the, in you know, about halfway through the article, uh, a national study revealed that patients who reported being most satisfied with their doctors actually had higher health care and prescription costs, were more likely to be hospitalized than patients who were not satisfied. Worse, the most satisfied patients were significantly more likely to die in the next four years. Um, so, but yeah, that, I would but recommend... That's a, boy, that is a... <laughs> you want to get me on my, my horse about statistics and surveys <laughs> i mean you could also argue that the people that are most likely to die in four years are the ones receiving the most care and the most you know sensitive care they're in icus they're in chronic care conditions and they're receiving really supportive help from people that get to know them as opposed to the people walking into an ed so there's a yeah. there's they're making a causal claim there when it's well, and I'm just pulling some chunks out. I know. You got to get in and dig into the details a little bit. And, you know, I can certainly speak to um, satisfaction on many levels with, uh, you know, my own experiences over the last couple of years uh, in the healthcare system. So um, I would say that take, take it with a grain of salt. Um, look for the, you know, look at the statistics that are actually backed by, you know, uh, solid research here. Look at, you know, some of it's anecdotal. There's just people, there's a piece, there's a, a section in here where, um, you know, a nurse kind of talks about the, the scripting that's handed to a lot of them now that they're supposed to just, you know, read verbatim in many cases and, and are a bit frustrated with um, rather than being genuine in many cases. Uh, so I, I would say it's, it's an interesting read. Um, but yeah, I mean, as with anything in the media, take it with a grain of salt. Make sure to, yeah. uh, you know, back, back up what you're reading and with, with some other statistics and some other sources and some other opinions. We kind of covered this. We covered this with another story we did, I think, within the last year where there was a doctor who was – this comes off yeah. to me as the same thing of people bitching about having to provide decent care. And there are some serious leaps in here. I mean, to me, this is as much an opinion piece as anything. I mean, I'm, I haven't read the full thing, so <laughs> full caveat there. But there are, there are things in here that are not quotes. For example, the concept of patient experience has mischaracterized patients as customers and nurses as automatons. That's a pretty uh, loaded statement, a pretty blanket statement. Um, you know, and, and then just one paragraph down, by treating patients like customers, as the nurse Amy Bozeman pointed out in a Scrubs magazine article, hospitals succumb to the ingrained cultural notion that the customer is always right. That may happen. But but to say that that's exactly what happens when you try to improve patient satisfaction, that's just – I just don't agree with that. It can happen if you don't do it right. And I think scripting is also horrible. So I definitely think there are things uh, in here that are very valid and true. 
But it, a lot of this comes off again like people that just don't want to give a shit about that um, and are trying to fight that. I mean, it does change the equation when you start compensating people different. And I mean, people have known this for years. Wherever you measure and tie compensation is where people focus. It's really going to focus their time. So if you overload that and they're start, they are starting to focus more on keeping keep people happy. But again, there's a there's like a giant pullout quote here. What does it say? Um, you know, big giant bowl. I don't know. It's like seventy two point type. Patients can be very satisfied and be dead an hour later. And the 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 way that that comes off is like they are dead because they were satisfied. They were dead because the hospital went out of its way to make them feel good. Which is just again so extreme. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, so, and, I, and I think it, and, you know you also can't. I mean, and we've talked about this before too. But you know, even the, little, the littlest things can color your perception of of the of an entire experience, which otherwise could have been great. Um, and some of the examples they pull out in there are like, you know, somebody citing that having a bad example because they didn't have enough salami on their sandwich. You know, things like it's like right. you know the things the things that people pull out of an experience that something tiny and innocuous can color a whole experience. Otherwise would have been, you know, fantastic care. You couldn't have gotten better care anywhere else. Um, but what you walk away with is that one frustrating experience that you remember. Um, and it's probably, you remember that one because everything else was smooth, but suddenly that is like, what's, what's frustrating about what about everything? Um, and I could cite tons of those, um, from, you know, experiences. And I, I have to internally stop myself when those happen and say, you know, is that really, does that, should that really color my perception of this facility, this organization, or, you know, my overall experience? Right. Um, But I'm able to, I'm able to do that probably because we talk about it so much. A lot of people obviously don't stop themselves and put that filter up. Well, it's, it's an interesting concept. I think, you know, because now it's come up a few times and obviously clinical care is more important than Splenda or pastrami on a sandwich. Uh, but I feel like this is somewhat cherry picking those as like, see, that's representative of what happens everywhere. It's representative of the movement to treat people as decent human beings. I mean, again, people are being held accountable for things that they weren't trained for, that they don't think are important, and they don't like it. So it's certainly not to the extreme where you know it should it should over override clinical care, but it just feels like a backlash to change to me. And I guess we should expect it, but yep. All right. Well, I know we're running out of time, so let's uh, let's wrap things up. Good, good conversation, you guys. Uh, yeah. And so we got another one planned for next week. So uh, we'll be back then. So for the Healthcare Marketing Underground podcast, this is Chris Bevelo, Adam Meyer, and Dana Wayman. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.